Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, it's now or never. I'll make you one guarantee about the Falcons draft, and this is going to be must be at the ballpark this weekend. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And then follow me on my personal page, Twitter page, excuse me, at JMCH316. It's now or never in more ways than one, okay, for the Atlanta Hawks. And obviously... They're going to play tonight against the Boston Celtics in game three back here at State Farm Arena and down 0-2. And obviously, we understand and know, and we've talked all week long about what all of the things that they haven't done is, okay? I'm going to throw this out to you because let me give you a couple of numbers, all right? When Trey Young scores 30 or more points in his career in a playoff game, and the, the playing round doesn't count, okay? So Charlotte, Cleveland, and then Miami last year, or this year, I should say, none of the play-in games count as playoff stats, okay? So that's, it's not regular season. It's not the playoffs. It's something totally separate. So we're talking about, you know, Philly and New York and Milwaukee and then Miami last year and then, <clears throat> excuse me, Boston this year. So that's the playoffs. That's the, that's the NBA playoff, okay? So when Trey Young scores 30 or more points, they are 5 and 3 when he does that. When Trey Young scores under 30 points, the Hawks are 5 and 10. So let's see. 5 and 3 when he scores 30 or more. 5 and 10 when he scores under that number. Now just for craps and giggles, they're 1 and 7 in their last 8 playoff games, which does include a performance by Trey Young of 30 points or more. But if you look at what his point totals have been of late, starting with the most recent game and going backward, um, you're looking at 24 points, 16 points, 11 points, 9 points, 24 points, 25 points, 8 points in that first game in the Eastern Conference playoffs from last year, and then, excuse me, 14 points in the final game against Milwaukee a couple of years ago. So what am I trying to get at? Well, here's the thing. I need Trey to go off and have a big night. And I need him, if he has to, be a little bit selfish. I want Trey Young to launch it up and get himself right and figure out what he needs to do. And if that means that he has to play like old Trey, then play like old Trey. Because here's what has not worked out is sitting around and waiting for DeAndre Hunter to help win us a game. Here's what's not helped out over this last period of time for Trey Young, sitting around and waiting for John Collins to win us a game. I love DeJounte Murray, but 
we're not winning games right now. And if I'm going to go down swinging, okay, I'm not going to be like Mark Wohlers in the 96 World Series. I'm going to throw my best pitch. If Jim Leyritz is going to homer off me and beat me, then I'm going to go down swinging and I'm going to go down throwing my best pitch, okay? And in all honesty, until we figure some things out and we get our act together or whatever you want to call it, right now, our best way to win is for Trey Young to go off. Now, obviously, Trey Young has not played well, hasn't shot the ball well, hasn't done as much on offense. But I'm past the idea of, for tonight, him being a facilitator, him getting other guys involved, blah, 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 blah. Now, the six, the, the sorry, the Celtics defense will have some things to say about this. They're not going to let just Trey Young arbitrarily just start throwing. But if I have to have four other guys on the court form a conga line for Trey Young to get himself open, then get himself open, get to the basket, whatever he's got to do. But I've got to have Trey Young go off tonight. And maybe, maybe it's a night where with the home crowd and, you know, all kinds of excitement around the, you know, arena and the Hawks are back home, you know, and they're not completely out of it. Although, you know, in a lot of ways are completely out of it, but that's separate discussion for another day. Um, With all of that, if I have to have Trey Young just go off tonight, and I don't, first off, he needs to figure out how to do that, okay? He needs to shoot the ball better. better. He, he needs to make more shots. But I can't have one of these just, well, you know, I'm, I'm getting other people involved, or, you know, well, we need Hunter to step up. Well, you know, we need John Collins to step up. No, I'm going to have a conga line of guys that's going to line up and get him open and get him freed up. Runoff picks, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do, let it all hang out. But the way I win in the playoffs is for Trey Young to be selfish and for Trey Young. And look, I'm not joking when I say the selfishness. If he doesn't have to get other people involved, then so be it for us to win. If that's the way we have to win tonight, okay, I'll do it. We'll we'll sacrifice the baby for all of it. But we have to figure out a way to win because what we're doing right now against the Boston Celtics and this idea of, you know, well, we're just, we're kind of waiting for Collins and we're kind of waiting for Hunter and, you know, we're having all these guys. It's not working. And I understand it didn't work last year for, you know, against Miami. I need Trey Young. I need vintage Trey Young. And he's got to get himself better. He's got to make some shots. He's got to be better against the Celtics. But I need Trey Young to go out and put up a 30-burger, 40-burger against the Celtics tonight. And if I've got somebody that's guarding him, I need to take that guy out. I I need to knock somebody down. I need to figure out what I need to do to get my superstar player to figure it out and play well. Yeah, we can talk about all the other things. Well, rebounding and, well, you know, Capella's got to play better. Well, you know, Hunter's got to play better. Yeah, uh, no. No, i got to have Trey Young play better. I've got to have Trey Young 
vintage Trey Young, the, the, the guy that we fell in love with, Ice Trey, the guy that was so impressive, the, the guy that the entire NBA was talking about a couple of years ago, coming off that Eastern Conference Finals run, right? When he was the toast of the town, he was the talk of the league. Everybody had their everybody had the name Trey Young on their lips. Two years ago, everybody was like, well, you know, Trey Young did his thing. I'm not so sure that that Luka thing was as good. I need my star to be my star tonight in this game. And if he needs to be a little bit selfish, and if he needs to sort of play like old Trey, fine. You can dispute that all you want. But you know how I know, okay, when he scores 30 or more, five and three. When he, does, when he doesn't score uh, 30 or more, five and 10. Which one of those is better? Five and three, five wins out of eight, or five wins out of 15? I know which one I'm leaning toward. I know what direction I want for all of this. I need Trey Young back. I don't know who this caper is over the last month, couple of years, whatever. I need the vintage Trey Young back, and I need him to go off tonight. 30 is your number, folks. 30 points, 5-3 and three when he does it, 5-10 and 10 when he doesn't in the playoffs. When he, when he scores 30 or more, it's 5-3. and three. When he scores under 30, it's 5-10. and 10. That ain't no trend. That ain't just some random happenstance. That ain't just some mythical figure and things like that. When he goes off, we win. Bottom line. And if I'm going to go down with the ship, I'm going to put every bullet I can into this thing and figure out a way to get it done. All right, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Listen, something exciting is coming to Built.com tomorrow, right? So April 22nd, tomorrow, we have something exciting going on. Now, look, I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real. It's something you don't want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do amazing flavor drops with unreal fr- flavors in limited quantities. So they're always doing something new, flavorful, and exciting. So mark your calendars and head to Built.com tomorrow, Built.com on April 22nd, to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. Can't wait to see what this new flavor is. Obviously, I love my Built Bars, but make sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON15, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON15, and you're going to get 15% off of your order. So here's the one thing that I will guarantee about the Atlanta Falcons. And I was thinking more and more about this, that obviously there's a lot of different directions with how we can go in the NFL draft, especially in the first round, really, of the NFL draft, okay? Here's the one guarantee I'm going to make you, is that they are not going to take a quarterback at number eight. Now, look, I know the Falcons have brought in every quarterback, right? They've brought in all the top prospects from Anthony Richardson to Bryce Young to Will Levis to C.J. Stroud. They've talked to those guys at the Combine. They've talked to those guys in their top 30 meetings. They've done all their due diligence. And part of that is because you want to talk to those guys. You want to get a feel for what those guys are. You want to get a feel for what they're not so that there's no question about, okay, that's not a guy I want to draft at number eight. You may end up scouting those guys. Look, here, here I'll give you a perfect example. I promise you that the Falcons at one time scouted Jeff Okuda. And, and they looked and said, okay, what's our scouting report say? What does he do well and things like that? And then when he became available in a trade, 
they were able to get him a few years later. So you never know what could happen down the road with quarterback, especially. Sometimes guys don't, you know, develop until year three, and that's what we're hoping for Desmond Ritter, right? So you always do your due diligence on not just players you may or may not want, but guys that may end up helping you in the future as you move forward. So I got no problem with what the Falcons have done as far as their due diligence goes on bringing in quarterbacks and interviewing them. But there is no way on this earth that they're going to draft quarterback at number eight. You can have sold me over these last few months, the idea of Desmond Ritter is our QB one and then go draft a quarterback at number eight. Now, look, I understand competition and things like that. And, and I wanted a veteran, you know, I wanted a Jacoby Brissett. We got a Taylor Heineke. I wanted a veteran, but obviously that's no long-term answer. You're trying to find your long-term answer quarterback. And, And maybe Arthur Blank was spoiled because Matt came into the league and immediately started winning. You know, I've always said that really the most embarrassing year I've seen in professional sports in the city of Atlanta was the 2007 Atlanta Falcons. Whether it was Mike Vick getting busted for drug fight, or uh, sorry, dog fighting, going to Leavenworth Prison and all of that drama that went down, whether it was Bobby Petrino, whether it was the comments that Arthur Blank made, both when he talked about, oh yeah, Bobby Petrino is going to be here on Monday Night Football, or whether he talked about, you know, well, Mike Vick's, you know, you know, they got to make sure that Mike Vick doesn't get fattened up on, you know, fried chicken and watermelon or whatever it was. He said those words. I mean, he said, you know, he talked about the idea of making sure that he doesn't get fattened up. All of the things that went down, obviously, Byron Leftwich, Joey Harrington, all of those things that went down. Heck, that season was so bad, they got work done to retire from the league. It was so bad. That's how bad it was in 2007 for the Falcons. They got work done, nicest guy in the world, to want to give up football at that point. And then Matt Ryan comes in, new coach, new general manager, new quarterback, and this team goes on a run that was unprecedented in Falcons history. Still the best run we've ever had in the history of the Atlanta Falcons, the Matt Ryan era. So I think he's spoiled in some ways, Arthur Blank, that is, with the idea of I have my franchise quarterback, I have a guy long-term here, and I have a guy who can win right away. And we're not seeing that right now. So I get all of that. And, And I do think that if Desmond Ritter doesn't play really well, that... This may not be so much that the coach and general manager is fired or things like that, unless they go two and 15 or one and, you know, 16, or if they have some ridiculous record like that, then they may all get fired. But short of that, even if they're seven and 10 on the season, if that's the case, then they probably are going to be looking for a new quarterback and they're going to be looking for their long-term answer. But you can't have hyped up and told me all these things about Desmond Ritter. I read you the article yesterday from atlantafalcons.com about what their coaches are saying and things like that, right? And we were begging we were begging Arthur Smith or Terry Fontenot or anybody within the organization to call him QB1, right? So I don't think you can go through that whole process 
and where we finally transitioned into what we call QB1 and then sell me on the idea of taking a quarterback at eight. And outside of C.J. Stroud, you know, Bryce Young, obviously, but there's no chance on earth he would fall to eight. But again, just in a theoretic, theoretical world, anything can happen, right? But I, I don't see that that I don't see that there's any way possible that that's the one position I will guarantee you that the Falcons don't draft on draft night. And if I'm wrong, then I'll be wrong. But I'll guarantee you that they're not drafting quarterback at eight. They may draft quarterback later on, and I got no problem with that. You you want Hendon Hooker or Jake Hayner or Stetson Bennett? Got no problem with that if you're looking later in the draft to draft a quarterback, a, a day three guy, let's call it. Got no problem with that. But they're not drafting quarterback at number eight. You can't have sold me on all of these things in the offseason and finally get to a point where, okay, Desmond Ritter's our QB1, and then go say, well, you know, plans change, pal. Full of Vince McMahon. Well, plans change, pal. Can't do all of that. So if there's anything in life that I can guarantee you, death, taxes, it's also going to be the third thing, is that the Atlanta Falcons will not draft quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft. All right, after you make Hitting Hard with John Chuck, your first listen, make sure that you go in and leave us a comment about being an everyday listener. So we appreciate and thank all of our everyday listeners. We call them our everydayers. So go into the comment section of whatever platform that you listen on. And if you listen on YouTube, go into the comment section, leave us a comment there. Let us know that you are an everyday listener, an everydayer to Hitting Hard and the Atlanta Falcons uh, the the um, uh, Locked On uh, Podcast Network for Atlanta. Let us know you're an everyday listener as an everydayer out there. We thank you so much for being a part of the show. So this is going to be, must be at the ballpark for the Atlanta Braves this weekend. So the Braves coming off that road trip where they took on Kansas City, then they went out West Coast to San Diego. Now they take on the Houston Astros and a nice little, Nice little seven-game set of uh, games at the at Truist Park. Houston and then Miami. Then at the end of the month, they go up to Gotham and up to New York to take on the New York Mutts. But this is going to be this weekend, I think, must be at the ballpark. I think that there is going to be a different energy level and a different vibe around the ballpark. Obviously, the Astros are one of the premier franchises on all of major league baseball. And you can say what you want about, well, they cheated. Oh, this kind of stuff. Everybody cheated. Now we know now everybody cheated. And I told you this four years ago, everybody cheated. We now know every, everybody was involved in something, right? Wasn't just the Astros. They may have taken it to a different level, but everybody was involved in something. Yankees, mutts, you know, whatever that players have come out and said, well, the daughters were doing a lot. Everybody was, everybody did something. So, I don't want to hear about all that nonsense, but they are arguably, you know, one of the premier franchise, if not the premier franchise in all of major league baseball with the success that they had. And they are obviously the defending world series champions. Now, two years ago, we beat the Houston Astros to win the world series. And I think that there's going to be a real playoff. Even this early in the year on April 21st, not even to may yet. Right. 
and, and you don't really kind of look at standings until, you know, Memorial Day and blah, 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 blah. And the Astros have not been all that good this year. Astros are 9 and 10 on the season. So it's not like that they've been, it's not like that they've overwhelmed, you know, the American League or anything like that. You know, it's not like that they've had a great run. The, the Texas Rangers, believe it or not, lead the division at 12 and 6. Astros are three and a half games behind. They're six and seven on the on at home, three and three on the road. They are a plus 19 as far as their run differential. But the Astros haven't, by and large, played as well this year. But this is going to be an environment where you've got to be at the ballpark. It's going to be Bryce Elder. It's going to be Kyle Wright. It's going to be Max Freed. I'll argue outside of Strider, that's three of our four best pitchers that we're going to pitch because Elder has been fantastic. I mean, listen, give Elder all the credit in the world. Another one of these guys who's come up just out of the minors and, and done some great things for this club. And they need every bit of it. And they need right to get back into form. They need uh, Max Freed, who was outstanding the other night, getting back into form and staying in that form. But this is going to have a different feel and a different atmosphere at the ballpark, I believe. Because even though the Astros are not playing as well and things like that, okay, this is a team that we've sort of rallied around the idea of beating up on, right? Like as we won the World Series, you know, and 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 we've beaten them in the past, this feels like one of those things where, you know, we don't necessarily like the Astros. We don't probably hate them the way that we hate the Dodgers or, you know, when the Yankees or Red Sox come in. But it's pretty close. It's pretty close to that kind of visceral feel for the Houston Astros. And obviously, everybody, you know, still runs around with their head cut off, saying, oh, cheater, 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 you know, so all that kind of stuff. And they are the defending World Series champions. And I'm not saying that they're a traveling road show because they're not Golden State. When, when Golden State comes to your building, you feel like that there's star power. You feel a different energy in the building. I can tell you... I was at the Golden State Warriors game when Golden State came here and played the Atlanta Hawks. We had our 92-9 game out, night out and all that good stuff. It was a different atmosphere in the building. It did have a different feel. It did feel different with the crowd and that team and all this kind of stuff. It did feel different. I think this weekend, I think first off, this weekend is going to be sellout city. This weekend's going to be a pretty good crowd. And even with the Hawks playing tonight, think about Hawks play game three tonight against the Celtics. Braves have the Houston at the defending champion, Houston Astros at Truist Park. Like there's a lot of buzz for, for all the crap that Atlanta takes and different things like that. There's going to be a buzz around sports in our city tonight and this weekend in general. You know, the Hawks are going to play again on Sunday. So the Hawks are going to play Sunday night, 7 o'clock tip on Sunday night, and you're going to have the Braves playing earlier in the day. So they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get a start early, and then the Hawks will play later on that night. So this weekend is going to be, must be at the arena, must be at the ballpark, with obviously the Celtics coming in here and obviously one of the best teams in all of the NBA, and then the defending World Series champion, Houston Astros, that are coming in. And it's going to be must be at the ballpark this weekend to take on the Astros. And I, I think that they're going to be sellout crowds, going to be raucous crowds. Obviously, we hope that the Braves find a way to win. 
Braves have been outstanding on the road, 10 and two on the road. That's been the story for the Braves. To, to me, that's the number one story right now for the Atlanta Braves is the fact that they are 10 and two on the road with all of the injuries that they've dealt with, with everybody that's been out, whether it's in the lineup, whether it's your pitching. The story to me is number one, that they are 10 and two on the road. And if you're that confident in playing on the road and finding ways to win, I know the Braves will take care of home field. I know the Braves will play well at Truist Park. I know that the Braves are going to be good no matter where they play, but they've been outstanding on the road. I expect that trend to continue this weekend. And the Braves are red hot, obviously. What is it, eight in a row for the Atlanta Braves? They're red hot right now. So it's going to be must be at the ballpark, a great weekend of Atlanta sports. We got the Celtics and Hawks. We got the Astros and Braves and everybody's home, right? We don't have to plop down in front of the couch just to watch something. We can be right there at the ballpark, right there at the arena. It's going to be a great atmosphere, I think, down at Truist Park with the Astros coming in town. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure when you go in and listen to Hitting Hard that you leave us a comment in the sections that you are an everyday listener. So we thank you so much for being an everydayer, as we like to call them. Be a part of our community. Again, you can go in and whatever platform that you listen on, if you can leave a comment in the comment section, tell us that you are an everyday listener to the program. And we ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast, get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you on Monday. We'll recap what the Hawks did over the weekend. This has been Hit and Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta.